Welcome to IBBA Insights, providing expert advice on buying or selling small businesses. IBBA Insights is presented by the International Business Brokers Association, the world's largest nonprofit organization for those helping others sell or buy businesses. Now, here's your host, Chris Diglio. Welcome to today's episode of IBBA Insights. Today we're going to go we're going to dig deep into the three letters that are prominent in the sale of businesses. That's SBA. Our guest is not only an SBA guru, but he's an all-around great guy. Steve Mariani, the founder of Diamond Financial, um, is the founder of Diamond Financial. Diamond Financial has become one of the nation's leading sources for larger business acquisition loans, ranging from $400,000 to $5 million. Steve has been a contributor to the IBBA for many years. In fact, he serves on the currently and in 2019, he received one of the most prestigious awards that the IBBA gives out, and that's the Tom West Award. And, and just so you know, that's not an award that's just given out to anyone. When you really have to do work on behalf of an association to be, and, and be recognized by your peers to, to receive that. So when you hear someone has the uh, Tom West Award like Steve, that is really meaningful. So please welcome me and joining Steve Mariani to our show. Steve, welcome to IBBA Insights. Hey, Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share information with uh, all your guests and, uh, and help expand the, the uses of SBA. And hopefully people will find some more value in some of the information we provide today. But uh, your words are very kind. I, I did appreciate the Tom West Award. Uh, Tom has been a great piece of my life along with Ed and, and so many other of the great figures at the top. But uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate, like I said, this opportunity to share. We'll go back and forth with the pleasantries. The thank you to you is, is all mine because I know you're very busy. It's a very busy time of the year. But is anything else, you know, you're one of the people within the IBBA, uh, the people that are associated with the IBBA that you know you can pick up the phone and call. And somehow, someway, you always seem to find time to be able to talk to everyone. So you were very, uh, very, very welcoming. And, and, and you quickly said yes when we asked you to come on the show. And, and that's what I love most about you, your willingness to give. I don't remember anyone, a time where anyone said, I asked Steve for something and he said no. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to jump into a lot to go over. I want to cover it all in the next 30 minutes without having to miss anything. But there are a lot of people that listen to this show. Some are brand new to business brokerage. Some are veterans of business brokerage. Some are business owners, business professionals, but out there, there's a big misconception of SBA. People say, well, I'm going to go to the SBA and, and, and get a loan. So Steve, just, just on a basic standpoint for, for a, a knowledge or a foundation of the things we're going to talk about today, can you talk about what is the SBA and what does it actually mean when someone says, I'm going to get an SBA loan? Absolutely. I'd be happy to expand on that. Ironically enough, when I purchased my first business, and I don't want to tell you how long ago it was in the 80s, uh, I did try and get an SBA loan and everyone said, no, nah, that's not what you want. You can't do it. And I, I was under the misunderstandings of SBA for many years until I truly learned. Uh, but ultimately, the bottom line, after, after understanding the program, 84% of SBA loans are initially declined because of presentation. You know, and, and you work with lenders such as I and most business brokers do. You know, lenders will form their opinion in the first 30 seconds or a minute of looking at a transaction. So presenting them with misinformation or incorrectly presented in the very beginning puts a bad taste in their mouth, and sometimes it just goes downhill from there. But uh, 
you know, after I learned that statistic, which is one of the reasons it drove me to, to you know, start here in, uh, in 95, was to really help those people get that stuff right. Okay, if 84% of being, being uh, declined because of presentation, well, geez, someone has to teach these people how to do it correctly, and no one was out there doing that. So uh, I, I set on a path to try and help the small business owner. It's funny, you, you, you mentioned that I'm always willing to give out information. I want to answer every question. I get questions from all over the country, from all different brokers. Are transactions or not? I want to see them close. Uh, our goal, Crest, yours, mine, and the IBBAs is is uh, is making sure transactions happen and these brokers uh, can support themselves and grow as we move forward. So, you know, that is definitely on the short list of, of my mind. But uh, no one ever was there to help guide me or, you know, like I said, you could find lenders but by handing them just one wrong document could skew your loan. And that's where I found the niche. You know, I, I never found anyone to help me. And once I had the opportunity, I said, someone has to help guide these borrowers because the SBA is a great product. I didn't know that the first 15 years of my business career, but uh, I need people to know that today because it is an avenue where goodwill gets financed. And whether you own a business or buying a business or starting a business, it's the place where goodwill transactions happen. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, business owners need to be aware that there are aggressive products out there, and it's it's more finding the right people and getting the right team in place uh, as you start the process that matters. So I hope that answers so the question. Steve, you mentioned – it does. So you mentioned the SBA is a great product, but talk about the SBA because there are misconceptions out there. Does the SBA actually lend money, or what what is their role in, in the loan uh, to small businesses? Of business owners? Great question. And, and here's how we describe it to our clients. Uh, upon the first interview or first call, however you want to say it, we describe the SBA as just an insurance company because that's really all they are. You know, if you're working or if you've heard of the words PLP lenders, they have the authority to sign for SBA. So now it's just a matter of what does the SBA actually provide? Well, they provide typically in a normal world a 75% guarantee on that loan, which is why or what allows lenders to write those goodwill transactions. If they didn't have that, for lack of a better term, insurance policy, they're not going to lend you a million dollars or a million five of goodwill. So with a 75% guarantee, it definitely brings down the risk on the lender's side. So the SBA, they really don't have much input into a transaction that's, that's processed through a PLP lender. What they do need to do is stay in compliance with SBA guidelines to protect and ensure that 75% guarantee. And that's what lenders are focused on, not losing that guarantee. That is their ace in the hole, okay? So th there is a big misconception out there on SBA. SBA is not the lending source. They used to be back in the 50s, but they stopped early. I wanna say mid 60s sometime lending their own money and became more of just an insurance company for outside lenders. So that's how they should be looked at. You know, pretty much uh, there are so many loans that fit the SBA guidelines that just never get financed because the lender in between either uh, is confused on the rules or doesn't want to provide it. Or most of the time, it's just a borrower picking the incorrect lender. That is probably nine times out of 10, the reason that the lenders don't go forward with a transaction. But uh, the SBA, without their guarantee, none of these loans would get done. So, you know, we have to be grateful for the SBA and their they guarantee, but they should be looked at as, like I said before, just an insurance company. Well, one of the things that drives me crazy, 
Steve, is if I'm dealing with a client and or a buyer and they say, well, yeah, my, I went to my bank. They said they do SBA loans and, and the bank might, but talk to us about the importance or or the difference between a, 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 a an institution that might be a, a SBA preferred lender or or the different status of of, of an SBA lender. You know, what makes, because you go to somebody, you want to make sure they're going to be able to get the job done. And so what what would be your recommendation or your or your feeling upon uh, what what that would be? You know, what does it mean to be a preferred lender with the SBA? I'm happy to describe that situation. And this is critically important because clients are out there all the time trying to get their own money. So lenders contact us all the time, as you can imagine, because of our high volume levels. The single most important question that I ask any lender that I don't know that calls me is, do they sell their loans or do they portfolio their loans? And I'm going to go down this path just a little bit. This is really the difference between SBA lenders. If they portfolio their loans, meaning they just put it on their balance sheet and keep it on there for the 10 years, they can add any type of requirements they want on top of the SBA loan requirements. And that's always the case. They can always add additional rules. But what happens is portfolio lenders will add things that they want, maybe collateral positions. Um, they can add pretty much anything they want. They can go after spouses or houses. Here, here's an optional rule that many lenders won't use. If you have less than 25% equity in your house or in a property, it does not have to be taken for collateral. That is entirely optional up to the lender. Well, there are many portfolio lenders that I know of that will take your house and take your property even if you have no equity in them. All right, so that's one of the biggest differences between not PLP and GP lenders, but lenders in general when you're talking SBA. If they sell their, lend if they sell their loans, then they're only going to typically follow the SBA guidelines and not add any additional requirements on top of it. So like I said, my number one question is, do you portfolio your loans or do you sell them? If their response is they portfolio their loans, I already know they're going to be a lot more conservative than our lenders. They're probably not going to work out with us because if they're adding loan, uh, loan requirements on top of SBA rules, uh, there's going to be a point where our firm stops the transactions because we protect our clients. We want our clients, and that is the mission of our, our business here, is to make sure we utilize every single advantage possible on an SBA transaction for our clients. And uh, you'd be surprised how many lenders will overlook. You know, two, three, four of those things in a loan makes a big difference. Uh, when you're leaving a spouse off of a transaction or properties, you know, a lot of the people we work with are high net worth individuals that own three, four, five properties. Well, there's a big difference between taking two of them and taking all five of them. And that's really the difference between the lenders. So when you get into the true SBA volume producing lenders, that's what it comes down to. Do they portfolio their loan or do they sell them? Um, now, when you get, you're talking about PLP and the status of the lenders, a PLP is a status given to lenders that produce high volume. And the SBA is completely familiar with their process. They've audited them many times, and they then issue them PLP status, which is Preferred Lending Program. That means that this lender has, has produced enough volume and has been through enough audits 
where they're comfortable with SBA or vice versa. And SBA then issues them the authority to sign then for the SBA. So when you're talking about a PLP lender, which is the way all transactions should be going, okay? The two choices are PLP lender or GP. GP is general program. So there's preferred lending program and general program. GP, any bank can go and get an SBA guarantee by supplying the loan to SBA, having it underwritten a second time at SBA. They then issue the, the uh, GP number. But now it's a second underwriting, a second set of eyes, and anywhere between two and five weeks worth of additional time if it's got to be sent to SBA. Every GP lender must submit the loan package directly to SBA. PLP lenders avoid that whole step and save that two to five weeks. That's really the difference between lender classifications. So if they're a PLP lender, then you want to know, do they sell a portfolio of their loans? If they're a GP lender, that's going to be concerning. Now, don't misunderstand. There are specific reasons each year where I'll take a loan GP. That's when I'm breaking a rule or doing something over and above that's an advantage to our clients. And we'll, we'll know that this will avoid the SBA guarantee. So we will then take that file and send it to SBA and say, listen, here's why we think this is a good idea for our clients. Sign off on it yourself. And then that will, again, protect that SBA guarantee to the lender. So I hope all that makes sense. Yeah, Steve, thank you for clearing that up and, and giving us the, the breakdown. You mentioned something just a couple of minutes ago that I, that I thought was very interesting. You were talking about the, uh, the individual institutions or the, or the banks. And, you know, I hear sometimes uh, someone will come to me and go, well, the, the SBA is requiring uh, that, uh, that I put up all my properties. or the SBA requires that I do this. And a lot of times it's not the SBA that's requiring it, but it's the individual lending institution. Um, is that correct or am I wrong in saying that? Absolutely, and here's where the motivation comes from. And I, I'm sad to say that about our industry, but what happens is the salespeople out there that that client initially gets to know, uh, he doesn't want that client understanding anything differently than what he describes. So every time he, he speaks to him, he tries to give him the impression that these are SBA rules. Many times they are not. But what that salesperson doesn't want that client to do or that potential borrower to do is find out the truth, go down the block and see, I, I didn't have to put up all my properties. So there's a lot of misinformation out there being spread because they don't ever want a client to feel, well, it's us, the lender, that's adding these rules. So they're always going to, which is what I thought for the first 15 years of my life. I thought the SBA were horrible nightmares and devil people. You know, it wasn't until I got in the industry yeah. and I wrote my first one, I said, wait, that, that made magic happen, you know? But that's always the impression that they want to give because they, you got to keep in mind, it's a salesperson and what they don't want is you speaking to another lender to find out if this is true or not. That's the questions that I answer exactly. all day long. The majority of the questions I receive from brokers nationwide are, here is what they're telling us. Is this a lender policy or is this an SBA rule? That's the question that pops up in my email once, twice a week from brokers all over the country. Yes. And, and that's what I tell my clients all the time. I said, look, you need to ask the question flat out. Is that a bank requirement or is that an SBA requirement? And if they don't, you could double check them also, because a lot of times it's not an SBA requirement. It's their bank's 
specific requ- uh, specific requirements. So let's let's move on because there's some other things I want to touch on during the time I have you on on this podcast. So today with with sure. SBA, are there special programs out there for people looking to buy a business right now? Absolutely. So the, the new CARES Act, uh, and I won't I won't go into how we got to where we are, but currently the new product. The new uh, program in place today is their SBA guarantee fees are waived, which I'll give you on a million-dollar transaction or a million-dollar loan, that SBA fee is 26000 by itself. So we're not talking small money. When we're talking about three or $4 million transaction, I think one of my transactions is saving him $110,000 on the SBA guarantee wow. fee. So right now, SBA fees, yeah. And for those of you who don't understand what an SBA fee is, that is included in all closing costs on SBA transactions. And that is the actual cost of that insurance policy I mentioned before. So that's a one-time fee that's part of your closing cost. So when you're talking about a three or $4 million transaction, you're probably looking at 140-ish or so in fees. Well, about 110 or so is the SBA guarantee fee. So it is always the largest portion of all SBA closing costs. So right now, that fee is being waived while the funds are still in place and we don't run out of funds. Also, anyone getting a new transaction done right now after February 1st will receive two payments of up to $9,000. So as an example, your loan started on March 1st and your payment is $13,000. Your payment would be reduced to about $4,000 for the first two months. So you will get $9,000 forgiven, not forgiven, actually paid. So they would not only receive that 26,000 SBA fee rebate and taken off, they would also receive about another $18,000 worth of two payments. So those are the incentives and those are in place until September 30th of this year or until the funds, the allocated funds run out. That's Based free money. on all the lender talk, uh, we, yeah, it's free money. Absolutely. Now's the time. Um, if we, we don't expect to see the money run out until sometime July, August at the earliest, based on all the conversations I've had with the majority of my lenders. So they have a few more months to secure loans and uh, capitalize on this program for sure. Well, Steve, we, we have about 10 more minutes left and there are a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, very specifically, um, we just came through the pandemic businesses had some interesting years last year a lot of a lot of them troubling times some of them were shut down so now we start talking valuations uh for an SBA loan and we want we know that there were things that were always allowed you know that, that the bank would look at and 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 allow for adjustments or addbacks but why don't you specifically talk about valuations you know today what's allowed what's not what adjustments are they allowing for potentially uh, the 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 effects of of the shutdown, would, would you care to talk to us about that, please? Absolutely, I, I will uh, relate this directly to transactions that we have in play right now. We have one transaction where he was rebating his uh, his uh, customers that were in trouble, 110,000 last year. Uh, and um, we're gonna include that as an ad back. This was a voluntary thing. So this was really the, the business owner and his potential clients. Well, these are clients that he's done business with for many years. Well, they struggled uh, through last year a lot, uh, if you knew the industry that they were in. So what he did was he rebated them up to $108,000 total for all his clients to try and help him through it. 
And now what we're seeing is this business is right back where it belongs, which is a great thing. So uh, there are odd addbacks. Now, when it comes to business valuations, what we're seeing is, so the SBA did allow us to work off of some projections in 2020, which was never the rule. So they did say, hey, if you can document in 2020, they were closed for three months or, or things like that, you can actually support a position. Uh, we're not finding the appraisals coming in low, which is odd because in the beginning of this, you know, sometime last year, I was on all the calls with, you know, Steve Mize and, uh, you know, all the evaluation specialists. They were expecting usually bad numbers, uh, but we're not seeing them. You know, we're, we're still closing transactions. Uh, we're up quite a bit and we're not having valuation problems. Now, one of the other things that I want to point out with valuations, something that, that few people know, and again, it's an optional -ish rule with lenders. So what the actual SBA rule states about valuations is the business valuation must be less than the loan amount. Now, think about that for a second. It used to have to support the purchase price, okay? And it still does have to support the purchase price. But if it doesn't, the SBA says, here's your fallback. As long as it's less than your loan, go ahead and close the loan and don't ask questions. Now, that's an optional rule. So let's just talk about that million-dollar deal that I said before. Let's say it started out at a million three purchase price. And then we had some working capital and closing costs. Maybe it was a million four. Your buyer came in with $400,000 and our loan was a million dollars. Well, if that valuation came out at a million dollars and not a million three that he's paying for it, that transaction still will be able to close. And again, this is an opinion left up to the lender, but the SBA says, if you accept that appraisal, we're not gonna ask questions as long as it was more than your loan amount. Now that's something that they don't advertise again. It's an optional rule that I try and teach people because it might not be the end of the world if the appraisal came in $100,000 short on a million three transaction or even 200,000 short on a million three transaction because you have to deduct the down payment and everything else and look at loan amount versus uh, appraisal. So that's a little interesting. Now that rule has been in place since 2013, but still our lenders utilize them, but many lenders do not. But it is something that I try and educate because everyone should know about that rule. Steve, real quick, I bet you yeah, that there are business yeah. there are seasoned professionals and business brokers that are out there that have been in this business for 20 years that have never heard that rule that what you just talked about. That is absolutely uh, incredible. It, isn't that amazing? And a lot of lenders won't utilize it or share. They still can default to the original rule that said if the appraisal is less than the purchase price. It has to be adjusted or they can default to the old rule, but they don't have to. Interesting, as an optional rule. So, yep. Isn't what else that crazy? Because I answer that question so many times every year. Um, well, when it comes to real estate, again, and this is just a quick touch on, but if the real estate appraisal comes in within 90% of the selling price, you're good to go. So if you're paying a million dollars for a piece of real estate and that, and that appraisal comes in at 900, the lender can go ahead and accept it and move on. Wow. Again, some lenders choose not to do that. Yes. So it's 10% on real estate with no questions asked uh, or on the business valuation, it's long as the valuation is less than the loan amount. 
Those are two things that pop up all the time that I see questioned all over the country because lenders can say, sorry, the appraisals didn't come in. Well, really? Let's look a little bit closer. So that is the lender's uh, opinion and not the SBA's. Wow, Steve, I got to tell you, now those are, that's why we have you on the show. Those are those little hidden secrets that they don't want to tell you or they don't want to promote. And that's why with IBBA Insights, the podcast, we, we talk to people like you with the inside knowledge that's not afraid to get on here and share that information with everybody. That's absolutely amazing, the stuff that you're sharing. And that is always my goal, to bring out those items that can help transactions close without any major changes. You know, you know, the other thing that we hear all the time is there's an absolute seller note required by SBA. Well, there is no such rule on the books. There is no place in the SOP that demands an, S an SBA loan have a seller note included in it. Again, we hear that on the street every single day because lenders that demand seller notes want you to think it's an SBA rule. Well, it's not. Yeah, the bank. The bank individually says, okay, we want we want the seller to have some skin in the game or they feel like they're in a better position. So they say, well, you know, we could do this SBA loan, but it's going to require a seller holdback of 10% or 15%. But what you're saying a lot of times, that's the bank requirement and not the SBA requiring that? Absolutely. If it isn't counting toward the injection, then it is absolutely a bank requirement and not SBA. I'm actually, if you've heard me speak anywhere, not a big fan of seller notes. The way I look at them is they hurt my buyer's cash flow. I'm, you know, unless the seller's going to hold it for 10 years, I'm against it. It doesn't help my buyer. So I've been preaching that for 20 years. And uh, the SBA has really supported me because they've never demanded a seller note. So I know that's ironic too, right? Yeah, very much so. It's, it's in talking to you, the more I talk to you, the more I I hear things that I know that the people that are listening to this are going to go, wait a second, that that's not what, what so-and-so told me. You know, there are some lenders out there, Steve, that not, might not be too happy with you after listening to this show because they may get questioned by some of the business brokers out there that say, hey, I'm bringing you clients and you've told me this. But that's not, that's your bank. That's not the SBA. Uh, going to be some interesting conversations going on after this podcast. <laughs> that happens all the time, Chris, and I, I wind up apologizing to people, but, you know, it's the fact. I'm not making this stuff up. These are all rules that I share on a regular basis. You know, when a client sends me a question, what I do is answer it and typically attach the rule so they have it in writing in front of them. You know, so I can only quote these things because they're fact, but uh, it is the truth. No one wants this stuff to get out. Well, Steve, I, I could, we could go back. You are so passionate about what you do. And you could tell when in, in talking with you that it just comes across and anyone that knows you knows how passionate you are about it and, and knows how much you want to really help individuals. Yes, it's a job and it's a business and it's what you do, but you truly do care about what you're doing and that comes across. So in parting, and when we come to the closing of this episode of IBBA Insights, you know, what parting words of wisdom would you like to leave with uh, maybe the business brokers out there that are working with uh, businesses and getting them uh, potentially qualified for a sale for uh, with an SBA loan for the sale of the business or someone that's buying that's looking for, you know, potentially getting an SBA loan, sh share some wisdom with them. Sure. I, I think the, the first most important thing that we teach, uh, you know, any young brokers or new brokers is, is to write, have that business pre-qualified and have your buyer pre-qualified. And I'm going to spend on that just a little bit. 
you know, when, when you're listing that business, if you can say this business has been pre-qualified by an SBA lender or somebody, anyone like that, it instantly brings credibility to your listing because what they think right away, and this is coming from the buyer's side, because those are our clients that we talk to every single day. What that instills in them is, hey, a third party has reviewed all these numbers and at least covers the debt service and makes some kind of sense. So it automatically gives your listing a leg up. We are always happy to do that. We do that at no cost. We turn them right around here. And the second piece, which is sometimes even more important, is having your buyers pre-qualified. The majority of the brokers that we talk to and work with, they, they will ask for a personal financial statement or some information from a buyer, but that comes back, um, for lack of a better word, sketchy at best. So what we do is we can pre-qualify any buyer within two hours. But what we do to qualify a buyer is we will have their resume, we will have their bank statements, we will have their personal financial statements, we will have all of their information before they get a pre-qual letter. And we will do that in two hours. And we do that so that a broker knows the quality of a potential buyer. And that's why we turn it right around. Chris, if you're talking to somebody in the morning, we want you to know by afternoon if this guy is good or not. So you can either continue your conversation with him or tell him you're not the right guy for him. Um, but those two pieces are, are what we think every broker should be doing on every transaction. No matter what lender you're working with, they should be able to perform those two duties for no cost and relatively quickly as you get those listings. So you have a good idea, A, what you're looking for in a buyer. If they've pre-qualified that business, then they should be giving you what down payments should look like, what you're looking for in a buyer resume-wise, and things like that, which is what we try and do with our brokers here. Is, is make sure you have a complete understanding of the buyer that you're looking for, whether it be as broad as the, the whole world or, or as narrow as you know an HVAC license. Uh, but we want you to understand that from uh, the beginning. And then the second, like I said, is making sure that your buyers are pre-qualified. And you know, no one likes to spend a week or two weeks working with a with a buyer who talks really well on the phone, and then you find out he has bad credit and no down payment money. So those are my two words of wisdom: is is get those things done on all your transactions. Um, and, uh, you know, make sure you have your ducks in a row before it goes to market. Uh, so this way, once you do find a potential buyer, you can plug him right in and just move on. Uh, that seems to be the most efficient brokers that we work with operate under, you know, structures similar to that. So I hope that helps every uh, listener on the call. And I've, I've lived by the philosophy, the next best thing to a yes, because yes is always the best answer you can hear is a quick no. There's nothing worse than dragging something mm -hmm. out for it, for it only right. to fail. So Steve, That's right. 30 minutes has flown by, That's right. absolutely flown by. And we've, we've gone through some, some of the most important topics that I wanted to cover. Uh, I wanted to one personally, thank you for coming on the show because uh, it, you've shared really some really interesting stuff today that I know is going to be new to even people that have been in the business for a very long time. So thank you. And two, in closing, I'd like to give you the opportunity to let people know how they can get in contact with you if they're looking for an SBA loan or they have some questions about SBA. Sure. I'm absolutely happy to share that stuff. You know, basically our firm, and it's funny you mentioned the uh, quick no. So our policy here, and this is guaranteed, we have a three-day turnaround. We will be in or out of a transaction within three days. So we have a three-day yes or no policy. If it's a yes at our firm, we have a 94% closure rate. Those are the things that we monitor. Uh, and I don't want to 
talk more, but the, the percentages of other places are so much lower to the point where, you know, they're in the 20 digit, no, you know, 28, 29% closure rates. So we pride ourselves on making sure we're doing the right thing right in the very beginning. Because again, we don't want to waste your time. We don't want to waste the seller's time. You know, time is money, especially in this industry. No one knows that more than we do because we live with you. Uh, so we have a three-day yes or no, 94% closure rate, and uh, we're going to turn things right around. People can always email us at information at easysba.com, or they can reach us on the phone at 919-782-3101 is our main number. Any of our staff is trained to, to help anybody who calls so, or answer questions, and we're always happy to do that. Again, our website is easysba.com. You can find a wealth of information there. All COVID documents, everything I relate to, uh, disaster-related is on there, and so are all our policies and uh, pre-qual information. So you can find a ton of information at easysba.com. Email us at information at easysba.com or call us at 919-782-3101. So I think I've covered everything. And uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity to share information because I want the world to know uh, the behind the scenes on SBA and utilize the program to the best benefit of all your clients. Well, Steve, thank you, my friend, for, for taking time out of your very busy schedule and sharing uh, all of your, your points uh, and your knowledge and, and, and trade secrets when it comes to, um, or not so secret, when it comes to SBA. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Anytime, Preston. I'm always here for you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Well, we've come to another, at the end of another episode of IBBA Insights. Again, I want to thank my guest, Steve Mariani, for sharing his insights on SBA lending. I hope you have a better understanding of the SBA and learned something new today. I know I learned a couple of new things, so I hope you did also. As always, if you want to listen to other episodes of IBBA Insights, you can go to ibba.org insights. Once you're there, you can subscribe and, and follow the IBBA podcast by clicking the Apple, Android, or email icons. And then as we like to say, you never have to miss another episode of IBBA Insights again. Thank you for supporting our show and making IBBA Insights possible. I wish you, I wish all of you health, happiness, and success, and have a great day. Until next time on IBBA Insights.